This podcast contains strong language, details of drug use, violence, recounting of traumatic events and themes which listeners may find upsetting. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Recovery Hub podcast. I'm your host Caitlin and today we have Emma in the studio. Emma's been friends with Marcus since before Eternal had been founded and she's worked with Eternal on many projects. First time talking to her however, for me it was like two old friends. She's where I want to be, she's got more clean time and I look up to her, I've got mad respect for her. I felt like I'd known her for a very long time and she was very compassionate because she understood my own struggles and we really related to each other. And now, here is my first conversation with Emma. She's a badass. I think we're good to go. Right, so how do we start this? I think the setup's like fixing my posture. Ah, is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Making you sit upright. It is, yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lady. Yeah, no. No, <laughs> no darling. No slouching. No, no. <laughs> no slouching in here, darling. So, Emma, Hopefully. how long have you been in recovery? Um, in recovery, so I'm still scripted. So a lot of people class that as, you know, de- depending on who you talk to. So if you talk to somebody from NA, they would still say that I'm not clean or do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I started to seek recovery for the first time in 2003. Wow. So I've been working on it since then. Um... 2014 was the last time that I had that I would say my daily use of um, not daily but frequent use of heroin stopped yeah Um, I was taking it now and again for between 2010-2014 so since 2014, I've been sticking to my um, script. Um, I class myself as clean, even yeah. though I'm on methadone. Everyone's, uh, depending on what, what recovery system you come from, everyone has a different opinion on whether that is clean because you're still on an opiate-based medication. Yeah. So they say you're just swapping one for another, you know. So there's a... People have different opinions, but me, myself, I know when I was on heroin, I had no life, no money, I looked like shit, I felt like shit, and I was hanging around with the wrong people. Yeah. Now that I'm scripted, I have a life, I've got stuff to do, positive things to do, I have positive people to engage with, you know, I've got rid of all the friends that just weren't getting me anywhere um so it's a totally totally different life yeah even though i'm still scripted do you know what i mean so it's a massive difference so to me that's me clean yeah i'm living a clean life you know i've got money and i don't have to go and see a dealer every day do you know what i mean yeah so So, it's a hell of a lot better life than what you did have completely turn around by the sounds of it you know yeah massively yeah yeah do you mind telling me what was the final straw for, for you? Like, what was the thing that made you decide that you needed to go and get help? Um, initially, in the beginning, yeah, in the early days. So, uh, from the age of 18 uh, up until 23, I was what they call a functioning addict. So, I had a job. Nobody really knew I was on the gear. Um, and then the the boyfriend that I was with at the time decided to move to Portugal. Uh, so we decided to get clean. We were going to go to Portugal together. Um, so that's when I looked to get um, Brit effects um, to do a quick detox so that I could go to Portugal within a matter of weeks. Little did I know that, you know, doing a, a detox from heroin is utter hell and I didn't foresee how hellish that was going to be couple that with brittle effects in your system which for me just made my head wide awake but my body really sleepy so my head didn't sleep for weeks oh no 
but yet my body couldn't move. Um, and that, in conjunction with my stomach problems, just made it hell. Absolute I was nightmare. In agony. Um, so that's when I first sought out help, and that was because I didn't want to lose my boyfriend and I wanted to move to Portugal. Yeah, so it um, wasn't for, like, the right reason. No. Yeah. And that's why it didn't work. Yeah, so totally. he moved to Portugal with his family. I ended up um, heartbroken, and um, I'd been clean for about two months on the on this awful brittle effects and um i just buckled and i went out and scored uh, met up with the worst narcissist in landed know that you could ever meet he ended up being my boyfriend and i ended up in a hellish four-year relationship with him um and that's when i seen the difference of a functioning addict to a street addict because I was now homeless. Oh, wow. I was living in a cave at the Orm in a two-man tent that had holes all over it. So whenever it rained, we got soaked. Um, and that's when I had to try and learn to survive <laughs> being an addict, you know. So I was being shown how to, you know, swindle with these credit cards and... Um, <clears throat> Water break. What a break. <clears throat> so sorry. <laughs> it's be- I love it when people burp. It's better out than in. I'm jealous when people burp. I couldn't burp until I was 24. Why? I just couldn't. I couldn't burp. So I don't know why, but as a child growing up, I couldn't have fizzy drinks because I couldn't burp. I just didn't know. I'd, I'd be in school going, asking my friends, how do you... They'd burp. I'd be like, how do you burp? Like, I'd be trying. I couldn't do it. And then because I I got a load of heartburn, the doctors gave me heartburn tablets. And for some reason, I took them for a few weeks. And the next day, I could burp. That's crazy. And it's just been the same. So if I feel a burp going on, I just let it out. You've got to let it Because I've like 20 years of not being able to. Yeah. Um, Right. So so, back to... Yes. So you was homeless. That's it, yeah. You was living in a cave? Yes. What was that like? Um, do you know what? It was strange. I have mixed feelings about that. It was a massive lesson um, of the hardships that can come with addiction. Yeah. Um, But it also shown me, and I don't want to make this sound positive because it's not, but there was a community of us. I mean, uh, there could have been 30-odd Wow. Of us, you know, some were in makeshift tents that were made out of tarpaulins and, you know, different types of materials. Other people had tents. Other people were just in the cave. Um, they had washing lines up. Oh, we had wow. fire pits. It was like a proper Community? camp, communal yeah. type thing. Um, but it was very scary. I mean, I was 23, you wow, know. that is young. Yeah, and I had just been thrown into the deep, dark depths of addiction. Like, I was just learning how to live, like I say, as a street addict as opposed to a functioning, working heroin yeah. addict. Um, so I had to choose how I was going to fund my habit. And I was watching everyone around me. Um, most girls were selling their bodies. Um, a lot of them had sugar daddies. Uh, people were going out grafting, you know, stealing around the shops, uh, or selling drugs. Yeah. Um, I was, I absolutely didn't want to go down the route of selling my body. Tried stealing. And with my anxiety, I just felt like everyone knew what I was doing, especially the shop manager. So there was no way I could do that. So I got into, I got involved with the Scousers that used to come down and uh, just started selling for them. Uh, Did that for a few years. Um, My boyfriend at the time was in and out of jail. So I had to find a way of taking care of myself and the only way that I could do that is by selling wow so I found a big dealer in Liverpool who would um 
um, sort me out with large quantities, and then I would sell around Landedno and Common Bay. So you're a proper grafter then? Uh, yeah, That's right. yeah. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah. Wow. Until I got busted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I did that for about six years. Um, five, five years. Um, I got busted in 2008, so I was 28 at the time, uh, and that's what sort of brought it to an end because I thought, oh shit, I cannot go to jail. Like I don't want to go jail. Like I was saying before, I chose my recovery path um, in a way that I wanted to do it myself, as opposed to go into a recovery community yeah. you know or detox center like 12 step yeah yeah well jail for me was just like that i was going to be out totally out of control of my own addiction well, yeah they would have made me stop taking it and that's what scared me that's what really scared me so i think i had about just short of probably a year and a half I had to wait for my final court date um, for my sentencing court date. So during that time, I got involved with every single organisation that would take me. I raised money for lung cancer. I did uh, sponsored walks for all sorts. Anything that I could do that was positive, yeah. I did. And I took photo evidence. Uh, I made a portfolio. Uh, this was all based on Tony Orman's advice, actually. Uh, back in the day, he worked for, um, or he was a volunteer somewhere in Common Bay. And he was the one that advised me, do a portfolio, show the judge that you've yeah, turned that your life you, around. That's mad. So I did. I spent like a year and a half getting involved with organisations, raising money and whatnot, taking photos. Went to court on my sentencing day and I passed my portfolio to my barrister and I said, can you give that to the judge? And he looked at me with a frown and said, that's not going to help you in any way. And I said, can you just please give it to him anyway? And he did. And that's what got me a suspended oh, sentence. Because um, I was looking at a long time in jail otherwise because I'd got yeah. caught with over um, an ounce of gear um, over half an ounce of bagged up gear and a load of money and £3,000 worth of stolen goods. Bloody yeah. So I was banged to rights. I was definitely going to jail. Um, so that portfolio, uh, the judge said to me, based on the evidence that you've put in front of me, it looks like you've changed your, your life yeah. around. I will give you the benefit of the doubt and I'll give you a chance to keep that going. So I'll give you an 18-month suspended sentence and in that time, if you, you know, uh, probation, because I had probation, of course, yeah. after that, um, and they just kept a check-up on me and made sure I was staying on the straight and narrow. Um, I did, obviously, keep dabbling in the drugs back then, but yeah. I sort of <laughs> kept that quiet. But I, that was... That was a massive, massive turning point in my um, addiction slash recovery, um, getting busted. That that was, I think, the one key thing that made me think, shit, now's the time I need to sort my life out. Because if I don't, I've just got to get nicked one more time and I'm in jail. Yeah, or like, dead. Yeah. If you're not yeah. in prison, then you would surely die. Yeah, yeah. So I had to make a change. Uh, it wasn't an overnight change, you know. Like I say, I, I was still using, but I was in the recovery system. Um, I was getting the help I needed. I had a, um, a drug worker. Um, I was scripted as well. Yeah. Uh, it was just a slow process of me getting to the point where I could function just on my script. It took me a few years, like I say, you know, but that me getting busted and that threat of jail is what made me really think I've got to sort my shit ways, out. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. So it is mad when we have them moments, because yeah. When you get there, it's like, that's almost like what spares you on, like your motivation to not ever want to go back there. Yeah. 
I mean, at the time, living through that, when they kicked my door in, and because uh, I, I threw the drugs straight out the window, and there was nothing I could do with the stolen goods because they were all over the place. Bloody hell. But I thought, at least if I just get rid of the drugs, then they're gone. But no, I threw them out the window, and they hit the wall and landed right on the steps. Oh of the front door that we were going to walk straight out of so they got them straight away but yeah that at the time that was the worst moment of my life sounds but like yeah looking back after years of uh aftermath from that moment in time it was the best time in my life in terms of recovery yeah if you know what i mean no, totally uh but there had to be that space of a good four years for me to look back on it and go no actually that wasn't the worst time in my life that was the best time because that's what made me change everything about my life you know my thoughts my friends my daily activities you know i got involved with a load of different groups that went out doing fun activities you know yeah instead of just spending my days at home selling drugs just getting wrecked and gouging my head off on the couch all day yeah do you know what i mean it yeah was a it complete, got you out there yeah interacting complete change of life which gave me new friends well yeah because it you with like-minded people yeah and it might not seem like that at first and you're doing it to appease your court case but it's worked out really well for you by the sounds of it because you've changed your life completely around because of it and the lifelong friends that you've made yeah i think that was that was a big thing meeting friends or meeting people that became friends that were in the same situation as me and and people that i could relate to yeah i'd not had that before you know people that had that recovery head on them and that were, were looking for help and trying to sort themselves out. I'd never been surrounded by that type of group of people before. So having that, you know, really spurred me on to keep engaging with these organisations. And uh, I filled most of my days, you know, Monday to Friday, I was doing something yeah. with somebody uh, that was positive. So, yeah, that's and, amazing. And, and that's carried on. And that's what led me here. That's what yeah. led me here. Same. <laughs> it's mad. Yeah, it is. It's mad. Yeah. You know, I started doing filming back in Colin Bay with Marcus. That was 2009, 2010. And that's led to, to me being here today. So, yeah. That's it's amazing. It's just progressed, you know. That's it. Have you put the work in? good things happen don't they yeah yeah clearly and like you know we're both examples of that yeah absolutely even when it's like hard at times like how did you find early recovery though so once you know you're interacting with all these like-minded people and stuff and you know you're putting in the action and you're reaping the benefits and the rewards from you you know the action that you're putting in was early recovery hard for you yes i would say it was very hard at first. I mean, it was a massive change. Yeah, it and we hate a, change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not somebody that deals with change very well no, at me all. neither. <laughs> it's, it wasn't something that was easy for me. I mean, I was letting go of... We call them associates, don't we, in, in addiction? But I did actually have... In addiction, I did actually have um, a good five people that were childhood friends yeah so i was letting those friends go and which can't have been easy no no you know and they, they still lived in my town so i'd pass them every day and trying not to get sucked back into that way of life was difficult yeah um so it was hard in the beginning but the more that I engaged with these groups, the easier it became because we were having fun. I was doing stuff I'd never done before. We were going goat karting, rock climbing, abseiling. That's so cool. You know, all these really cool stuff. Walking up Snowdon. I walked up Snowdon twice, once in December when <sighs> the snow was up to my thighs. Wow. You know, these really challenging, good group activities that were really exciting 
And yeah. I, I, I love exciting stuff anyway. It's so like rewarding, isn't it? Yeah. So it was, it was the fun that I was having and the friends that I was making that kept me going, you know, and yeah. it, it just, it became easier the more I went. And that's why I made it an everyday thing. If I went once a week, it wouldn't have been the same. So I made sure that I had somewhere to go Monday to Friday. Because if I had a day to myself, I'd be bored. And I know that I'd probably easily get sucked back into old ways of life. Well, we know? do. We become complacent, don't we? Yeah. It's like if we're doing things once or twice a week, the other days that we've got free, you, you slip back into your old ways of complacency, being Very lazy. Easy. Yeah. Like I've done it. I do it all the Not all the time. Not so much now because I'm more aware of it, but... Like, it's so easy to fall back into those habits. Very easy. That's why you've got to keep busy. Yeah, you've got to stay on it, haven't you? Definitely. You have to, yeah. Yeah, it's dangerous otherwise. You've got to be on the ball yeah, all the time. You record, like, it doesn't can't have a day off. No. It's your life you're messing with. Yeah. Even 12 years down the line since that, you know, worst or best day when I got busted. Yeah. You know, 12 years down the line, it's every day I still need to keep on top of my behaviour and my choices and my, you know, the people I engage with. I have to be careful every single day. It's not something that is cured one day and you just go about your day as, as normal. It's something you need to be aware of all the time, yeah. you know. But the more you're surrounded with people that are like-minded or have been through the same thing the easier it is yeah mm, definitely and do you find it easier now like have you got more of a balance these days like with feeling comfortable in yourself and with the things that you do the more you've put yourself out there like does it get easier yeah Definitely, much easier. Um, I started to find myself because, of course, I'd done drugs and I'd been drinking from the age of 13. So I didn't know who I was as an adult. I didn't know who Emma was yeah. at all. I didn't know what I liked doing. I didn't, I just didn't know anything about me. So it was about learning who I was, what I enjoyed doing. Uh, I learned that I was very creative. So I went on YouTube and I learned how to do crochet and um, they call it tatting and all these different creative projects. Um, I make mandalas. I got a sewing machine. Um, you know, I made loads of stuff, made um my little nieces when they were toddlers skirts you know pretty little skirts oh, to go to their birthday parties in and that's so cute i just it was a self-discovery path of learning what i like to do with my days because of course i did stuff monday to friday but there was the weekends yeah so i had to keep busy on the weekends so I went onto YouTube and I just sort of looked at anything creative, went out, bought the bits, you know, um, crochet hooks and um, wool and just started to teach myself on YouTube. So it was a, a big learning curve of, of finding out what I wanted to do with my spare days that was not destructive, but positive. That's, you know? so, that's so inspiring and like getting to know yourself. Again, yeah. and teaching yourself new skills. Like, it's all a discovery process, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, massive. I'm still learning to this day, you know. It, every day I'm learning. Um, yeah. That's really cool, though, because yeah. I need to do stuff like that more. You mm. know, like, actually figure out what I like, because I know I'm creative, but actually figuring it out by trying different things and new things that's how you're gonna figure that stuff out isn't it yeah By actually doing it and yeah. trying it yourself yeah i um i read a book um what was it called the secret oh yeah i've heard of that i've heard, heard, of, heard it. of it yeah the secret so they say that you create your own reality based on your thoughts and your feelings and you've got to be very conscious of the words that you speak and the thoughts that you're thinking and that's what got me on the part uh, on the path of 
self-discovery and trying new things and, you know, going down the rabbit hole of trying all these different creative things and which ones yeah. I liked and which ones I enjoyed and which ones I could do quite easily at home on my own just by watching a video on YouTube. Um, and then I started to look for all the courses if because there's, there's a load of courses that go on that are free, you know, they're funded by the council that you can just get involved with. Oh, well, there was brilliant. at least in my area anyway. Uh, so I did a sewing course, um, creative arts course, just, you know, looking for anything that was on locally that I could get involved with that would yeah. fill my day. That's brilliant. So, you know, I, I just had to because I knew if I had a day off and I was bored and I bumped into the wrong person yeah. or those feelings kicked in, I just, I, I, I knew that it was so easy to crumble. So I had to keep myself busy. That was the main focus. Keep busy. No matter what it is, just keep doing something. Keep yourself occupied. You know, that yeah. was my main goal. Yeah. And what was your motivation? Like, obviously, the worst slash best day of your life was a big, um, plays a big part in you, you know, getting your life on track. But yeah. Is there anything else like a big influence in your life, like to, to make you, you know, go out there and do all these things? Or was it like with like, when we were talking about like the healthy eating and the, the raw food lifestyle, mm. like when once you seen the results, was it one of those like it just spared you on even more? Yeah, like a ripple effect, if you like. Yes. So changing my diet and seeing the positive, feeling the positive effects that that had was definitely something that kept that going. Yeah. Um, in terms of my recovery, that. Um, finding myself again, I'll I'll never forget thinking because I I used to do a lot of journaling, just do a diary. Yeah, I did it. Since, I found them uh, really helpful. Yeah, very yeah. helpful and good to look back on. You know, yeah. years you know years ago, look where you were years ago compared to now. Definitely have a good laugh. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So I was doing a lot of journaling. Um. And I'll never forget when I started to get clean and started to reduce off my methadone, I always remember um, when I was deep in addiction, I, I could never laugh. Um, I was taking that much heroin that it dulled my senses so much wow. that nothing brought me joy. I like I there was Numb. no laughter anywhere there was no joy there was no happiness it dulled everything and as I started on the path to recovery I remember I had a belly laugh one day and I was laughing till I cried and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I've not felt like this since I was a kid. I genuinely hadn't. Wow. I'd not laughed and laughed to the point of crying since I was a child. And that felt amazing. So what kept me going was the fact that every day I felt more and more alive as the days went on, the, the the more I helped myself and the more that I stuck to my script, the more I found Emma coming back yeah. and I found my personality and that I could be quite quirky and, you know, I could be quite silly and uh, I, I found silly things funny and I'd be in, you know, tears of laughter. <laughs> and it was, yeah. But that was so alien to me because I'd not had that since I was literally a young child. So it was, I'd, 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 I was a different person completely, totally, totally different person from addiction to into recovery, two totally different people. Um, and it was the fun that I was having 
uh, and learning who I was as a person that kept me going. And I, and I did. I, I kept the journaling going. I've still got it. I've That's got books and brilliant. books and books at home of, of how I felt at the time and all the stuff I was learning about myself, uh, whether it was creative or personal, all the stuff I was learning. Uh, and that was a, a yeah, that... That's something that's always stuck in my head is the fact that I, I was like, I, I never laughed as an addict, but real people laugh. Yeah, they, they I have find feelings funny. Now. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. things are funny. I can watch telly and laugh at the TV. And it's like I never used to do that because I was so dulled down and, you know, feelingless and emotionless. It was just, I was empty, yeah, completely empty. Yeah, it all... Yeah. The addiction. Yeah. 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 It does, it weighs you down. Mm. Takes your soul and your spirit. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, getting all these feelings and emotions back, finding Emma, how did that feel? Because for me personally, getting my emotions back, it's it's all a bit like, whoa, you know, like it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Like, what was that like coping with that? Because they do say it takes about two years or something for it to, for like, you know, your feelings and emotions to balance out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was me pointing out the positives of um, finding out who I was. But yeah. of course, I did carry a lot of baggage, uh, negative emotional baggage from from birth, literally my, my whole childhood. So that had to be worked through. Um, but it was definitely made easier by the fact that I was having fun every day and I was with people that sort of related to the other side of it, which was the misery and the depression that could hit or the anxiety, which crippled me at, at times, still does. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, so then I had to go down the route of um, seeking out medical attention for that. I had to go to the doctors and, you know, see psychiatrists and psychologists and, you know, sort of treat that side of things. Yeah. Um, there's different aspects, isn't there, as you yes. know, of, of recovery. So um, that was a challenge. But like I say, re repeating myself, being surrounded by people who were going through the same thing really helps. Because you've got people to relate to, you've got people that can sort of signpost you to organisations that you perhaps weren't aware of. Yeah. You know, that was a massive thing for me, um, joining those groups. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, a, it, well, it is and, and has been a, a long, long road. Um, and yeah, I'm still learning every day. Yeah. I, I never stop learning about myself. And that's know? the amazing thing of getting into recovery, I think. Like, you learn something each and every day. Yeah. Whether it's about yourself or, like, you know, a new skill or just anything. Like, mm. you just, you never stop learning in recovery. I don't, I don't feel like, but again, you have to put the action in. Yeah. You've got to put the work in. Yeah. But, but you, you're basically waking up, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> you are literally waking up a new person. You know, no matter what, what substance it is that you, you're stopping taking, um, you are a different person with or without that substance. So it's, you know, if you've had a lifelong addiction, um, adult lifelong addiction in, in my case, it is, it was about learning who 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 I really was as yeah. a person you know I suppose it depends how long you've been taking whatever substance yeah. you know everyone's everyone's journey's different everyone's story's different you know that's it have you achieved your goals and aspirations in recovery um many of them yeah uh like I say it's still a, a daily daily um a day, it's not a day trouble, but it's it's a daily thing. I mean, for instance, 
I'm looking for somewhere to live at the moment. Yeah. You know, so it's it's everyday normal people things that I'm going through, you know. So it's it's a constant it's a constant I've I've had a bad couple of years. I mean, I've lost both parents, I lost my dog and I've lost my family home recently. So I've had a lot of personal issues yeah. that have um interfered with a lot of what I was doing um, and then of course COVID hit so God, that yeah. stopped a lot of the organisations that I was involved in um, so it's been a rough couple of years but um, I feel I'm still on track uh, it's just yeah it's it's been a um, a rough two years in terms of our family you know yeah. so that's that's what i'm battling at the moment it's a it's a personal thing which totally. is yeah a bit it's a bit separate to my recovery but still it's it's linked because <clears throat> in many cases people who go through loss or trauma that is a, a massive excuse in some cases for them to relapse you know definitely and, and go straight back to where they were throw everything away you know all their hard work so i suppose i can applaud myself in the fact that i've kept my head on my shoulders and you know kept all the hard work that i've done is 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 still there it's just the emotional battle of of the losses that yeah. i'm going through at the moment but yeah yeah that does show a lot of strength i think you really do find your true self and what how strong your recovery is when you go through hardships like mm. such as yourself like i mean i couldn't even imagine like you know losing people that close to me in recovery because as you say it's always been like the gateway to using again yeah you know? oh yeah i'll or like even something like i don't know i, I was snapped a nail Oh, after have a drink. Yes. But like I couldn't even imagine like a big loss, you know. Yeah. So I think that's it. incredible that you know you you've kept yourself mm. on the right track. Yeah, it is difficult. Like you say, people can use any excuse, <laughs> no matter how small. You know, I've seen it many a time. I've seen it over and over. People using any excuse just to pick up the drink or or have a smoke or do whatever. Yeah. Um, it's been tough. It has been tough. Um, and I'm still still dealing with the grief now. So it's not something that's over. No. You know, um, I think I'm just coming up to... My dog died March last year and then oh. my mum uh, a week later. So we're coming up to the year point. Yeah. So it's still, it's still raw. quite raw. Well, yeah, yeah. no, it is. Yeah. You know? And losing the family home as well is, you know, so that's thrown me out. So I've got to find somewhere to live, and but that's that's all being sorted. It's you know, I'm on the I'm on the path to um, getting a flat in Common Bay, and yeah. you know, sorting but that out. So just think, it wouldn't be sorted though if you were still in addiction. Yeah, like it's sorted and it's getting sorted because you you're making it happen. You've made it happen because you're in recovery. Yeah, you would never have being able to have done these things or be coping as well as you are if you weren't in recovery. Mm. Oh yeah, totally. So that I just think that's amazing. Like mm. I commend you for that. Like it's amazing. I think a lot of it I I I my dad my dad was my <laughs> my dad was the one that cheered me on and he passed in twenty nineteen. Um, and he he always believed in me. My mum was more reserved. She wouldn't speak about my addiction so much, yeah. at least to me. She she was very quiet. But my dad was the one that was like, oh, you can do this. I know you can. You know, I, I worry about you every night. So I was, I'm, what keeps me going is the fact that he um lived long enough to see me sort myself out yeah and that's all i wanted like that's all i wanted was for my dad to be able to go to bed at night and not have to worry about me because that's what he said he said i go to bed and i can't sleep because i'm worrying about you yeah 
So at least I took that massive load off his shoulders and he was able to see me in re in recovery with, you know, doing amazing things. And, you know, he'd see me doing all the filming projects and he was so proud and, you know, all that. I'd got involved with the men's sheds and all these other organisations and he'd come and see what I was doing. He was he, he was so happy. So that's what keeps me going. That's amazing. That, you know... He was so proud. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd be doing him a massive disservice if I was to slip back no, into that's, my old you know ways. What? That's incredible. Mm. And it's tough. It's tough, but, you know, Daily emotions time, are, <laughs> you know, these types of emotion, any type of negative emotions are hard to deal with. You know, you've just got to... You've just got to find the right people to to help you through it. Definitely. You know? Talking is important. Massively. Because negative feelings and emotions for us, we're comfortable in that, aren't we? We're yeah. comfortable sitting in the negative, mm -hmm. telling yourself you're a piece of shit. Like, that's comfortable. But if we get a compliment, oh, God. It's like you've insulted it's like the worst insult. Yeah. Like you just don't know how to take a compliment, no. do you? But bring the insults on you. I know. I'm so uncomfortable <laughs> with compliments. Yeah, Honestly, it's weird, isn't it? It is mad. Yeah. What have been some of your coping like mechanisms or strategies, you know, to stop that inner critic? Like your inner saboteur, you know, when it, your head's trying to have you off and tell you that you're fucking worthless. And you're yeah. Shit. How do you cope with that, Emma? Like, what are some of your, like, Ways of dealing with that. Um, in the early days, um, I mean, my dog, and I know a lot of people probably go, oh, it's just a dog. My dog was my world. Oh. And she, she died last, last mm. March. Uh, but I had her for 11 years. So she was my everything. But of course... I was her everything. Yeah. So she was my responsibility. So that's what kept me going. The responsibility of having a dog that needed to be cared for. I'd have to get up in the morning and take her for a walk. She was a high energy dog. So yeah. she required lots of walks. And attention. So Oh, yeah. Lots of attention. You know, I had to feed her. I had to walk her. I had to take care of her. Uh, she was by my side for the whole 11 years. You know, wow. she was literally my best friend. Um, and then she got uh, mast cell cancer, which was external. Oh, so oh, she had two broken cruciate ligaments. So it was vet bills and vet visits and, you know, all of that. So she was my... Uh, she was my focus, really, yeah. for 11 years. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I suppose you can liken it in a way to a mother has got a child. It's a responsibility, well, yeah, it's isn't a responsibility, it? It's a living, yeah. breathing being yeah. that is relying solely on you to live. So she was what kept me going for the, for 11 years. And I must say, I have struggled over the last year without her. It's been, yeah. you know, because going from having all that responsibility to having nothing and then covid goes and shuts everything yeah. down you know it, it it's been a tough time for a lot of people Definitely. you know i've heard that a lot of people have relapsed over the covid period due to services shutting down and them not having their usual routine that keeps them going you know so yeah. it, it's been a hard time for a lot of people i think yeah what have you done for your recovery today for my recovery today yeah well i uh stuck to my promise to come into wrexham because that's something that can usually i'll, I'll say i'll be here and i can't get here because i mean i come from landed no yeah, so it is a long you know way. yeah so train for instance it's two hours there and then two hours back so it's you're traveling for four hours so, and things can, you know, because we're going through the sale of the house and we're emptying it and we're taking stuff to the tip and there's loads going on at home so things can crop up. Well, and, life gets in the way, doesn't it? Oh, massively. So, 
today what I've done for my recovery is stuck to my promise of what I was going to do with my day come here and had a good day yeah it's been amazing so yeah that's definitely something getting out of bed for god's sake sometimes it's hard to get out of bed even just you know? making the bloody bed yeah you know yeah eating is something yeah. else that i've struggled with especially after losing my mum the last 12 months um i had to have i had to go and buy um bodybuilders milkshake i've seen powdered them. Yeah. stuff like the complam also and it's called yeah yeah I had to buy that simply because I didn't have the energy to cook or go shopping or make anything. I was just so drained, emotionally drained with grief that I had, there was no energy to make food. I didn't have an appetite, but because I didn't want to lose weight, when I could, I'd just throw, you know, you get these plastic shakers, can't you? You put the powder in bit of milk shake it and it's done so i I lived on that for months and months so you know and i but today i actually brought proper food yeah (laughs) you know i made some cereal to bring with me and i bought a couple of drinks and stuff like that so all of these things are what contribute to me sticking to my recovery you know it's taking care of yourself yeah Yeah. definitely taking care of yourself and and sticking to excuse me sticking to what you said you were going to do with your day you know, if it's a positive thing. Yeah. You know. I'm the exact same. Like, even this morning, I've had, like, a bit of grief with the doctors, like the pharmacy, over me paying medication that I take. Because I can't take anything else because, you know, for, like, reasons of getting addicted and it's not good for, like, the IBS, whatever. Yeah. But um, got up, was dressed, showered, Went to the pharmacy, picked up my right prescription, went to the post office, posted some letters to my family, got back. I had time for a coffee before Luke came to bring me here today. But usually I just lie in bed, say I'm sick or I am like the queen of excuses. Yeah. And just getting up and doing that sets off a chain reaction, doesn't it? And it makes you feel good. It does. Even just checking one thing off your list of whatever you've got to do that day makes you feel so much better about yourself. And the fact that you got up and did, what, perhaps five or six things before you even got picked up to start your day, you know, that was a massive kickstart. Well, I'd never, ever do that. Yeah. Ever. Like, even, like, you know, I don't know. It's just not... It wasn't me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I've always been lazy and it but I wanna be the new me now, you know. I wanna be the me like like what you were saying before, Emma, like you discovering Emma, like this is who I wanna be, like today, you know? Yeah. Like I wanna be accountable, I wanna be self sufficient, self reliant for myself. Yeah. And you know I wanna do the right thing and I want to be good for myself yeah yeah it feels good it does you know just like ticking off your to-do list you know it's finding out who you are and what you enjoy doing just ends up in filling your days full of stuff that make you feel happy and joyful and you know you go to bed happy because you've had a good day because you've filled it with stuff that you really enjoy like that that was my aim you know and and instead of just lying in bed moping about doing nothing not getting out the house getting fresh air not seeing sunlight there's no life in that you know that's that that was my life the only time i'd leave the house is if i had to go and serve somebody and even then i'd have people who'd run out for me so i barely go out you know Whereas uh, it turned into me walking up mountains to the summit of Snowdon, yeah. rock climbing, abseiling. You know, I would never have had the opportunity to try these new and exciting activities. At first, I couldn't afford them. Yeah. You know, but there's organisations that if you get involved with them, they're there to try for free. You've just got to seek out the right sort of groups. Yeah. You know, and, and like here, 
You can just turn up here and get involved in filming, um, radio, music, all sorts. You've just got to find the right place that suits you and That's the stuff it. that you enjoy. And just reach out and yeah. ask for that help. Yeah. And, like, we we wouldn't be here now yeah. if we hadn't. So, yeah, it's very boss. true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah. I wouldn't be here now. If I hadn't have stuck to what I was doing... And I hadn't promised myself that I would stick to it. I wouldn't be here today. No. Definitely wouldn't. So, no, kudos to both of us, yeah. I'd say. And it's amazing <laughs> to get to know you even better. Yeah, I know. So much in common as Yay. well. Best friends. <laughs> <laughs> and we've just become best friends. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> we've lots in common. Yeah. Funny though, isn't it, when you start getting talking to I somebody, know. it's like you have... So much, I mean, recovery and addiction aside, yeah. but personally, Personal, within our lives, yeah. you know, health wise and experience wise, it's, you know, a, a lot of stuff. A in lot common. of similarities, yeah. Funny, isn't it, when you get talking? It is. Yeah. Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Do you know what's cool as well? Even hearing, like, about the things that you've done and, like, you're learning every day and stuff and, you know, you've been in recovery a lot longer than me and just hearing all your experiences and stuff, like, that's so inspirational to me and it will be to, like, thousands who are listening. Yeah. But, like, I want to, I want what you've got, you know what I mean? I, I want to be like Aww. that. And I do believe after, like, speaking to you, getting to know you, connecting with you on a deeper level and just getting the advice from you as well, like I can achieve that as well, so thank you. See that, and it's good so to know you as well. It's really good to know you. Thank you. See, that's hard for me to accept yeah. because that's a compliment, and I never, ever, even thought that I'd ever be an inspiration for anybody. So having that told to my face is so hard for me to sink in. It's like because yeah. I, I don't know. I think because up until the age of you know nearly my 30s I was just an utter mess and you know didn't inspire anybody and then going from that to being told that wow you inspire me and what you've said today is actually yeah. you know what 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 I'm aiming for that's honestly that's that's incredible thank you thank you <laughs> <laughs> And this is me come here unprepared. I should have come with a <laughs> notes of make sure you say that. Make sure you say that. I think it's boss that. though. <laughs> yeah. It's been very organic, darling. Yes, it has. Like our diets, you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like I said before, I'm one of these that in these situations I'll say whatever. Then when I go home, like three hours later, I'll go, oh, I forgot to say that. I forgot to say that. That would have been ace. I forgot to say that. It's yeah. in the moment. I I forget all the good stuff, but it's when I'm at home and yeah. it's all over and done with. I'm like, oh, I had so much more to say. Is there anything you've missed out? I got kidnapped twice by the Scousers. Um, <laughs> I had a police chase and all that. You know, there's crazy little stories like that that I can put in one day. Yeah, Marcus that, loves that, all that. That, that, that. that snippet right there, that's the opener. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the, um, you know, next time on... I got kidnapped by off the streets and thrown in a car and then had a police chase. At knife point, it wasn't like just getting the car. It's like knife point and batons and everything. Two different Scouse firms. I was working for one Scouse firm, selling for them when I was about 22. And then um, another Scouse firm came down, got my ex-best friend, who was my best friend at the time, to phone our graft phone to say she wanted five of each. <clears throat> so I go out with five of each in my hand down the alley, see her, I won't mention her name, she was with some lad that I didn't recognise, and they were like, oh, I thought my ex-boyfriend, I thought he was coming out, and I was like, no, he sent me out, and she was like, oh, shit, shit. 
Next thing, car comes screeching around the corner, <laughs> drives down the alley, pulls up right in front of me, Scouser gets out, lad gets out, drags me by my hair, oh. I'm literally on the floor and he's dragging me by my hair, throws me in the back of the car and the guy, the guy in the passenger seat in the front turns around with a massive knife. You fucking stay there, girl. You fucking stay there. Oh. Then we had a um, mad police chase because what they were trying to do was they were trying to get me to tell them where my guys were because, of course, they had uh, booked themselves into hotels. And I was like, I genuinely don't know where they are. Like, they don't tell me where they are. I just phone them up when I've got the money to swap it for... Yeah. And I just meet them somewhere. Like, I don't know where they fucking book into a hotel. I've got no idea, mate. But they wouldn't let me go. And then, of course, police chase, because it was a mad ruckus down the alley that everyone heard and people came out the houses because I was screaming. Um, yeah, so I was there for a good four, four hours-ish, literally thinking, I'm not getting out of this alive. And it wasn't until the police got really close to us that everyone just, the, the car stopped and everyone just bolted. Every door opened and they all just legged it. And this one scouser grabbed me. Um, and that was sort of like the end of that because they all just bolted. Um, but the other time I... Um, there was a, a a phone call again. My ex at the time answered it. Um, somebody's outside the flat in the car, in the car park. They just want a few bits. So I went to this car and I, I could see somebody in the back. And there was someone in the driver's seat and somebody in the back. And the guy in the driver's seat was my friend, my friend from school. I knew him. I thought, why the fuck's the other lad in the back anyway they said get in the front I was like that's a bit weird so I got in the front and the guy in the back strangled me from behind my seat and he was like hand over the drugs hand over the drugs and I just looked at my mate who had been my friend for like you know throughout school I looked at him as if to say are you fucking taking the piss and he just looked away and I thought oh my fucking god Lit I couldn't breathe oh my god so I just threw them and then they threw me out the car yeah. Jesus Christ. A few scary moments yeah. like that, you know, and then being left in a flat with a, a load of scousers when your boyfriend goes and robs them of all their drugs. Oh, my God. And he pretends to go and serve somebody. And he oh. leaves me left in this flat and then the scousers are like, he's not fucking come back. It's been like 20 minutes. Where's he gone? And they go... The fucking drugs are gone. Everything's gone. He's fucking robbed the lot. <laughs> oh my god! And I'm like, how the fuck am I going? They're not. They're, they're not going to let me go now, because he's fucking. You know, they're going to think, oh my god. So that was a, a another four hour ordeal, and then I eventually got away from the scousers and found my ex behind a bus stop inside of a bush smoking a load of crack oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I was like you bastard you left me in the shit quite a few mad um, That's crazy things but I didn't think that they would have been good to talk about when we were talking about recovery yeah. and the positives and I think that's know. boss though <laughs> like recovery hub after yeah. yeah that's like yeah. after hours special yeah. <laughs> after school special this is the why not to get into addiction yeah <laughs> shit like this can happen <laughs> can I just say he was murdered oh yeah no he, he the scousers because he was such a bad lad, yeah. you know. He 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 robbed everybody. Um, and Scouse has got him in the end, and the um, rumor has it from from what they can tell, uh, he was found in the water near Talacra. Um, they they know that he didn't drown because there was no water in his lungs, oh. so he was dead upon being thrown in. So rumor has it that the Scouse has got him. Strangled him and thrown him in the water. Bloody hell. Yeah. Didn't know him well. Mm. And then, like, because, and the dealer that I was getting off while I was selling round Landidno, he was murdered as well. He was stabbed to death. Bloody hell. In another altercation with another group of 
uh, Scousers, but that was in Liverpool. Literally about an hour after I'd seen him, he came down to serve God, yeah. me and Marcus. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so then a murder inquiry had to go ahead and the police came to my house because I was one of the last ones to be seen on CCTV talking to him in town. Um but of course this was landed no then he drove straight back to Liverpool and as soon as he got back to Liverpool the yeah lads jumped him and stabbed him 17 times or something yeah so dangerous people especially if you're involved on it you're not just a customer you know if you're involved in the drug game like yeah yourself like a grafter mm. this is what I mean that these are people I was working for you know it's like it's it's not something to be messed about no. with you know you are literally dicing with death most yeah. days with the drugs and the people you're messing with you know it's a double dose yeah. you know so you've got a, it's it's a scary scary world to live in you know when you're in that deep dark depths of that heroin addiction or whatever crack you know whatever yeah. it it does get to the point of life or death situation and i've i've lost many a friend whether it's through addiction overdose yeah. or murder you know it's it's no joke nope. it's it's um yeah there's been a few experiences that have been quite shocking yeah so mental don't yeah. do crack yeah or heroin don't do dr don't do drugs kids yeah or any drugs yeah <laughs> just don't do it not to. <laughs> it's mad that police came to my house with a massive a4 piece of paper and were like <laughs> me and marcus on it they got off the cctv oh no way and i was like oh fuck and they came in and they sat down and they were in plain clothes and they were like look we don't give a shit about the drugs honestly we don't care what you got off him we don't care how much you spent we don't care where they are we're not here for the drugs we just want to know how much you spent how much money did you give him so that's all they were trying to work out how much money he left town with because they knew what he was doing yeah i mean the lad in question was was known round town and he was banned from landidno so when he was in town you know the police knew and they were on exactly the chase what for him for. so they knew him and they just wanted to know how much money he'd left town with um i suppose they were gonna um compare it to how much money he had left on him at the time whether he was robbed for his money or what yeah trying to find the motive for the for the for the killing um so yeah part of a, a murder inquiry which was quite scary and eerie something i've not been in before that was a an experience but yeah it's it's you know we're not we're not talking you know it is heavy shit it is yeah i was trying to find the right word then it is very heavy shit <laughs> <laughs> very heavy shit you know, it's not a joke. It's, um, and that's why I had to learn, you know, you've got to learn to survive, to, you've got to learn to survive in that environment without getting sucked in too deeply that you are controlled by somebody or an organization or something. Um, it's 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 a it's a weird setup you've got to find your own little system and that's why i did what i did yeah i didn't work for a group i mean i did in the beginning when i didn't know what i was doing i worked for a group of scousers that were in town but in the end i wanted to be in control of my own money and how i sold it and how when i sold it you know yeah so that's why i got a dealer in Liverpool so that I could buy my own weight so then if I wanted to switch my phone off for four days I could because I was my own boss that's it I didn't have the scousers who were coming down to Landidno telling me you're on all day today bitch you're on 24-7 you know literally all week yeah and we're going to be sitting in your flat you know cuckoo what's it cuckoo they call it cuckoo in these days, don't they? I did it. I didn't have that in uh, my court case, unfortunately. But I could have used that. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, you know, I had to find a way to survive and my only way to survive was to have control over my own drugs and when I sold them and to who I sold them to and and whatnot. Otherwise, you get sucked up into some dangerous, evil, gang-related shit that is very heavy, like well, you said. Yeah, well, yeah. then, literally, then it really is like if you not overdosing from the anxiety and the pressure put on you by these types of people if you're not dead from that then you are gonna be stabbed or yeah shot or whatever yeah. you know killed yeah you've literally only got to say or do the wrong thing and you know the amount of weapons i've seen them carrying is unbelievable you know and they are Crazy motherfuckers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They are. You know? You you know, you don't mess about with them. So yeah, it's a dangerous world. Heavy. Don't do drugs, kids. (laughs) What would you do if you saw one of them again? See, it's funny you say that because the ones that would have been down when I was into it, because the runners that they send down to town or should I say the county lines guys are always, or should I say in the majority of cases, are late teens, mid, late teens, early 20s. They're kids, basically. They're the ones that do the running about. And then you get the big guys that stay in Liverpool doing their thing. So... You know, the guys that were about when I was in it are probably my age or older now. So, you know, they've probably moved on to (laughs) bigger and better things. I don't know. (laughs) We'd hope. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. If, yeah, in it. But no, that's what they do, though. They do. They move up, you know, and then they get some other little runners to do their running about. But yeah, if I was to pass one in the street, I wouldn't acknowledge them. I'd just keep walking. If you've been affected by any of the topics in this episode, please reach out to a trusted contact or seek a professional for support. After the conversation, me and Emma have kept in touch and she gives me great advice. She tells me things that I just wouldn't be able to find out on my own. Emma has kind of been like a mentor for me since meeting her. It's really comforting and a relief to be able to have support for my own ailments beyond recovery and how it mentally impacts me being in recovery. Next week we're at Open Minds, a treatment centre in Wrexham and we have our very own Marcus speaking with Peter who was in there receiving treatment for alcohol. It's such a candid and honest conversation between the two. If you've been enjoying the podcast so far, I think you'll really love this one. Thanks for listening.